Coaching Podcast is to encourage and equip those who are called by God to provide spiritual direction to the Church of Jesus Christ. We're teaching warriors to fight for the human heart because only healthy hearts can know God deeply and follow Him fully. Welcome. Uh, welcome again to season two, is what I should say, of the Spiritual Coaching Podcast. Uh, my goal is to equip everyone with a bent towards spiritual coaching or just, you know, leadership in the church by itself. Uh, is to equip you by offering training in truth along with a much needed encouragement to, to go ahead and, and do this work. In, in this season, we're going to move beyond the philosophical, philosophical foundations of spiritual coaching. That's what we covered in season one. And we're going to move on to discuss the heart of the spiritual coach themselves. Uh, so again, be sure to go back and be certain that you didn't miss any episodes from season one because what is coming is based on what has already been covered. Um, you can check out my spiritual coaching page at tworivers.church backslash life coaching and life coaching is hyphenated. Again, also, if you're looking for me on Twitter, I'm at PKSC Podcast. PK stands for Pastor Kerry. SC stands for Spiritual Coaching. And then the word podcast. That's at PKSC Podcast. And uh, you'll find me there. Um, in this season here, part of what we're going to be doing um, is I'm going to share with you some audio from uh, a retreat I did for our leadership a spiritual, you know, kind of a, a spiritual retreat, a spiritual coaching retreat almost, if you will, uh, for a bunch of our leaders here at our church. Um, unfortunately, uh, some of the audio wasn't caught, so I'm recreating some of that, which I will be doing again today for the beginning of this episode. I'm going to recreate some of this, um, and uh, then I'm going to switch over to um, the live audio so uh, I'll, I'll inform you when I'm doing that. This, the, the retreat that I was doing, I titled it, you know, Fight, uh, Keep the Fight Clean. Uh, it's the heart of the leader that leads the leader. And um, <clears throat> really just making sure that those of us that are spiritual coaches or that lead in any capacity in the church understand the importance of the condition of our inner heart, of our inner life, of our inner self to what... Um, happens beyond that on the exterior. Um, and I wanted to begin here by talking about three periods in the artist's life, which kind of reflect three periods in any in the development of any, any leader or spiritual coach. Um, this is from a book called Encouraging the Heart. Uh, and I see I don't have the author here. My apologies for that, but um, look it up. Um, there are three periods in an artist's life. First of all is when we begin to paint exterior landscapes and what we see outside of ourselves. Uh, what we see and learn from other leaders would be something. So it's something that's coming in um, from the outside. And so because it's not ours, it's clumsy at first. Uh, sometimes we're failing more than we succeed. We, we're learning fundamentals. And uh, over time, we're gaining some skill and confidence by just not painting out of our own creativity, but painting what we see, what's outside of us, and taking that in and processing it. Well, the second period is when we paint the interior landscapes. Uh, we realize that we're leading um, with someone else's style at this point, 
and not leading from our own heart. Um, and, and it begins to seem a little, a little hollow and phony and disingenuous. So we begin to go beyond technique and training and advice and, and copying to experimenting with our own style and find your own voice. This is, again, based on an artist who is learning to paint, begins by painting things that are outside uh, that they're, they're seeing and, and using techniques in the painting that they've been taught. And as they grow, they begin to develop their own techniques. They begin to uh, mix their own colors and maybe even instead of creating landscapes that they're seeing, they're creating something out of their own imagination. They're creating the landscape. Um, and then in the third level, we, so leaders or, or artists, we begin kind of with the external coming in and, and that being... Um, where we're living, and then that begins in the second phase uh, when we begin to paint those interior landscapes. That begins to feel just, um, well, disingenuous. It feels a little phony. And so we begin to, to grow and develop and, and, and personality and our own particular um, uh, topics and, 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 and burdens and, and, and opinions begin to develop. And so that we get to that f third phase then is when we paint ourselves. And that's when we begin to have our own unique style, a style that's truly our own begins to emerge. And in the book Encouraging Heart, um, let me read to you a quote. It says, most leaders never leave stage one to traverse the dark and confusing inner territory of stage two to come into the light where they find their own true voice. So um, most leaders, they stay in that stage one where they're just kind of doing um, what they've seen. They're, they're doing what is been handed to them. And there's nothing unique. There's nothing personal. There's nothing creative really about it. And, and they never traverse that dark and confusing inner territory, which explains that this is a difficult time when we begin to, to get our own voice. We begin to find our own voice, uh, uh, to use another analogy. Um, that's a difficult period. And that's how we become, uh, we begin to fight clean. It's the heart of the leader that leads the leader. That's that stage two, that interior landscapes, where we begin to refine that. And it does get difficult. It gets bumpy. It gets dark. It gets confusing. It gets a little fearful. But we must traverse that second stage in order to come out into the light of that third stage where we are able to be something truly unique and genuine, something that is ourselves. It's imperative that we deliberately, actively, and courageously engage in that second stage and stay there long enough to come out of the other, other side with a other side. Yeah, great. <laughs> out of the other side with a voice of our own. But the second stage is not just about discovery of personality and style, but of wounding and brokenness and sin that needs healing and confession and redemption. So on that note, let's take a, a deep look at something revelatory and freeing that Jesus teaches us about all this. I'm going to read Mark 7, verses 14 through 23 to you. Um, then Jesus called the crowd to come in here. He said, all of you listen, he said, and, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. Um, you are defiled by what comes out from your heart. So that easily connects to what we were just saying to those three stages. It's not what comes in from outside, stage one, but it's what might come out from the inside, stage two, where we haven't worked through it completely, that defiles us. Then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd, and the disciples asked him what he meant by the parable that he just used. Uh, Don't you understand either, he asked. Can't you see that the food you put into your 
body, it, it cannot defile you. Food does go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. And then he added, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within and are what defile you. You see the emphasis on that stage too. Boy, we got to be careful to work through that stage too and get all the way through it so that what comes out uh, comes from a clean heart. And on that note, I'm going to read to you a, a, another statement of Jesus. Um, and, and, and I'm going to call it a secret to transformation. Uh, it's not really a secret, but I use that term uh, repeatedly here. And in the audio file, you're going to you're going to hear in a little bit to just refer to something that is a little surprising that maybe we didn't know before. So in Matthew 23, 25 through 28, it says, What sorrow awaits you leaders of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. So they're, they were careful to clean up what they were receiving from others and, and giving that back, uh, but they, they, it, it never personalized it. They never went in and cleaned up the inside of their heart to make sure what came out was truly coming from them and was coming from a clean heart. So again, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence, you blind Pharisees. First, wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your heart is filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Man, that, uh, wow. We're going we're gonna to unpack that. I'm going to unpack the first uh, uh, five points here, and then we're going to go to the audio file I keep mentioning. Um, and we're going to go into this uh, Matthew 23, 25 through 28 passage. Uh, feel free to look that up and uh, follow along with me as I begin to clarify four misses. Um, that the audience that he was directing his words to, the um, religious teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees. Um, and we're going to talk about care first. And he says that, that they, were, they were engaging in misdirected care. Number one, misdirected care. They were so careful. They spent time and, and wasted time on the wrong things in the wrong area. Very careful to look good and no effort at being good. This is also uh, misdirected because it's not um, freeing, but oppressive. Uh, it's never ending, crushing you, this unbearable demand. When you're trying to look good, that's oppressive. When you're, you're not just naturally being good, you're faking it, you're creating it, um, you're, you're spinning it. Uh, this incomplete care grabs our attention away from God and puts it on the wrong thing. Because you have to focus in order to keep up this external um, facade. So there's misdirected care. It's directed at the wrong thing. Um, it's directed at second things instead of first things. So, so the first miss here is their misdirected care. It was also misprioritized care. Uh, it was self-perfecting or perfectionistic. Outside care is elevated over inside care. I, I usually call it legalism. Um, what you know about 
you your inside drives you to work even harder on the outside to prove what's inside is wrong and to hide what's inside from everyone, even yourself. Um, when you can't claim victory inside or just don't even try, the only option left is this outward legalism, which produces self-righteousness. Show me a self-righteous person and I'll show you one who has only cleaned the outside of the cup. It was first misdirected care and it was misprioritized care. They didn't start with the most important thing. They started with something um, secondary or tertiary or, or whatever level you want to put it on. The priority was not on their heart. It was on how they looked. So it means it's a misleading care, number three as well. They only clean the outward. Um, they're beautiful outside. Uh, it means they have managed to clean one without the other. And no one knows, even themselves, deceptively appearing righteous on the outside. That's the problem with some of this. We, we begin to believe our own press reports. And we come disconnected with what's really true on the inside. And we mislead others. Our misdirected, misprioritized care is misleading to others. And we end up misleading ourselves and believing, thinking we're okay. Because we're reading our own press release. When only the outside is cleaned, ignoring the inside, it's because it becomes all about the show. And how we... And how are we any different when we do the same? We're not any different from them when we do the same. When we are all about the show and we're misleading people. And it's also then a mispromoted care. We're promoting ourselves by the deceitfulness of external whitewashing only. Mispromoted because what we show people is not true. And because it won't work the way uh, we want. Because it'll get us um, demoted, humbled, not exalted. You know, So we don't want to be the real us because we fear being demoted or humbled. So we mispromote. We, we mislead everybody. And we, we, we put on this false us. Uh, maybe we're even two different people. Uh, one when we're at home and another when we're in uh, a, a workplace or maybe in a place of ministry. And, and just so we can promote ourselves. We morph and transform in, in, in deceitful and unhealthy ways. Just so that we are perceived and promoted in a certain way. And it gets worse. Um, there are four other aspects of care here. There's four other misses. Um, it becomes indulgent care. Three times Jesus says their inside hearts are full of bad things. The reality is that when you ignore the inside and cover over it by cleaning only the outside, it leaves what's in there to grow worse. It begins to stagnate, and because you've just kind of pushed it aside, ignoring it, it's let to live, and often it's let to grow. Sympathy with sin is not just letting sin live, it's helping it get stronger. And here's where I want to switch to the audio file from the retreat. Um, at, at this point in the retreat, I began to talk about Amanda and her dragon, and it relates to what happens when we become self-indulgent. In fact, the story portrays in a, a perfect illustration of what it portrays is a perfect illustration of this sympathy with sin that I mentioned. And the narrative is from a trilogy of books by David and Karen Maines that are analogous, that are analogies about the kingdom of God. They're not unlike C.S. Lewis's The Chronicle of Narnia, if you're familiar with those. So the first of these three titles, volumes is titled uh, The Tales of the Kingdom. And in chapter 10, there's uh, um, of this first book, that chapter 10 is titled Princess Amanda and the Dragon. And I'm going to relay that story to you in the audio file. And then I'm going to pick up with number six. I don't think I say six. I don't think I give the number six, seven, or eight. 
but you're going to hear incongruent care, incomplete care, incom in impaired care. Uh, those are going to be number six, seven, and eight. And we're going to switch over to that file now. break to give your brain a rest. If you would like to connect with Pastor Carrie to offer feedback, to suggest topics for future episodes, or to ask a question, there are a few easy ways to do that. You can message him on Twitter. Just search for at TRCSCP. That's an at sign followed by the letters TRCSCP. If you prefer Facebook Messenger, you can search for at PK Spiritual Coaching. That's at PK Spiritual Coaching. Or you can simply email him at carry at tworivers.church. As you might expect, we'd appreciate it if you'd rate us on iTunes and like and share the podcast as well as our Twitter and Facebook pages so that other church leaders and spiritual coaches can find this helpful content. All right, let's return now to our current episode of the Spiritual Coaching Podcast. Uh, dragons are strictly forbidden in Great Park. But Amanda finds a dragon egg. And Amanda brings a dragon egg home. And the dragon hatches and it's so cute. So she keeps it hidden. And the warm little breath that comes out of it is so warm and, co and co cozy. So guess what she does? She gives her heart to the dragon. She soothes and coddles it. She sneaks food to it. She takes some of her own food and gives it to the dragon. And she feeds and the dragon grows and grows and grows and grows. And guess what happened one day? The dragon turned on her. She would have been toast. There's more to the story. What I love about the story is there was a, 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 a character in the book called Caretaker, and he was a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And, and Amanda goes, Caretaker! And Caretaker's at her side. And she says, Caretaker, kill the dragon! And he says, he takes his ass and says, No, Amanda, you do it. She had to kill her own dragon. Sympathy with sin starts so innocently, so small, and then it grows, and it grows, and it grows, until your sin takes on a life of itself, and it starts telling you what to do. Six, it was incongruent care. Um, guys, as leaders, we have no business... Um, Leading in duplicity. There's two people, not one. They failed to take care of their insides. So many Christians and leaders have this same integrity issue because there's this duplicity. There's devotion and zeal on one side and neglect and apathy on the other side. And they're incongruent. They don't go together. They don't mix. We pretend we put on this front on one stage and then on another stage we're another person. Sometimes it's just in the quietness of the night of your own room. There's a different person there than there is when you're out in front of everybody trying to keep up appearances. They were dishonest and, 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 and unsound. And in fact, there's a fragility to this kind of incongruent care. Understand how much energy, and some of you know what I'm going to say here, how much effort it takes to keep two worlds going. You've got to remember what lies you tell, so you tell lies that agree with your last lie. It's a lot of work keeping up those fronts. 
the incongruity burns off so much of our energy and so much of our resources that when we're dealing with people, we don't have the leftover reserves to be caring and concerning and listening and giving them of ourselves to them because we burned it all up, keeping our front up. So we're impatient with people. We throw people aside easily. We don't have time for them. We, we just plow through. It was incompetent care. Jesus is calling them out. He says, you're not doing their job. You've fallen down on the job, guys. You're filthy inside, he's telling them. He's calling them a brood of vipers. He says, you're as bad as a sepulcher that's full of death and decay. Your hearts are dirty. There's decay in there. It's an impaired care. I've, I mentioned back when I was talking about those soldiers that stuck their face in the water, how they blinded themselves. Well, guess what Jesus tells these guys? Blind guides. You're blinded. Your face is in the water. You may have courage, but you have no character. You've impaired your own ability to lead because you can't see clearly for yourself, let alone for anybody else. Been there, done that. In fact, he calls them blind fools. And we are a fool if we think that exterior whitewashing makes us clean and pleasing to God. Remember the 9,700 soldiers that blinded themselves and were deemed unacceptable by God. Two heartbreaking outcomes from all this. God says they're hirelings. He said your care is hireling. You're, you're giving hireling care. You're not a true shepherd. You're an unfaithful shepherd. The first chance of, uh, of self-doubt, the first chance that you might look bad, you run, you hide. And as hirelings, you're not only protecting the sheep, but, sheep, but the, the example you're modeling for them, if they're following you, you're making them just as bad as you are. Your disciples, they're just like you. They're just as messed up as you are. They've learned like you have, like you taught them, to take care of the outside and neglect the inside. The heart doesn't matter. You, you realize our culture is here. When, when, when we talk, people, well, I'll vote for him, even though I know his personal life is in shambles, I'll let him lead the people. I will vote and put him in office because his personal life doesn't matter. <laughs> really? Hireling care and sorrowful care. Seven times, God. I, I can, you know, I, I, we, we think of these passages, and when I, when I think of this passage, I, I see and I hear Jesus' anger. I don't know if you hear his frustration with them, but seven times he talks about sorrow. It's, it, it's actually sometimes translated, alas. Here's God saying, oh, alas, you guys are doomed. <laughs> you got this wrong, right? fact it can be translated as horror so what horror is he saying for you how sorrowful it is to be in your shoes i don't want to be in those shoes okay we're trying to express to you that if you're not taking care of the inside and you're only taking care of the outside how sorrowful will it be for you as a leader how sorrowful will it be for you if you're only a hireling and not a good shepherd we have been losing leaders left and right in the church of Jesus Christ these days. Losing leaders left and right because you can get to the top with courage only, but it takes character to stay there. And character comes from your heart. So, two heart-changing truths. First truth is you've got to do the manual care. 
You got to get the dishwater in the sink. You got to get the cups in the sink. You got to get your hands dirty. And you got to clean the inside of the cup. You've got to clean the inside of the cup. Now, here's the secret. And I love this part. This is the secret I missed for so many years. If you will do the manual interior care, the rest is automatic. I tried for years to not be angry. I didn't want to be that person anymore. But trying not to be pissed off pissed me off because I couldn't do it. And then someone helped me clean the inside of my cup. And I didn't even notice the changes until this one looks across <laughs> at me one day and said, what are you doing with my husband? Who are you and what have you done with my husband? Oh, by the way, I like this new one better. And I, I remember it was the time that, that in our community where that digger backed into our car, our black Ford Temple. I remember it like it was yesterday. And we got, went out to the car, and it was all smashed up in the front. And I said something, oh, dang it. Well, we're going to have to fix that. I go back, get in the car, sit down, and she's looking at me like this. Do you remember? <laughs> and I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> And what she told me, I just lost it. Because the anchor was automatically gone. Amen. I didn't need it anymore. Amen. As Christ set me free, healed my heart, healed the wound. There's nothing to be angry about anymore. It was like, holy crap. All these years. I call that one of the most widely kept secrets in Christianity today. If you clean the inside of the cup, I mean, Jesus says it. If you clean the inside of the cup, he doesn't use the word automatically, but he should have. I'm telling Jesus how to teach now. Did you see what I just did there? All right? Sorry, guys. But if you clean the inside of the cup in the plate, the outside of the cup will become clean. It will be clean. It'll just automatically be clean. How, how do you do that? When all of a sudden you turn around, I'm thinking of an instance, an actual instance that happened in Texas. And I was accused for something that I had actually just gone and solved and fixed and was completely taken care of. And here I have a leader in my face calling me out. What do you do? How do you make sure you don't blow it in that moment? I'm gonna tell you how. It'll be automatic if the inside of the cup is clean in order to perform like christ would when you're on the spot you have to spend time with him behind the scenes you have to be plugged in you have to be responding to the emotions that you're feeling and using them as gauges for where you're at and learning from your emotions and listening to the messages that they're telling you when you overreact, when you over-respond, when you feel in a way that you really shouldn't feel because the offense wasn't really that great and your emotions are going off and the idiot lights on the dashboard are all flashing at you and you're just ignoring the idiot lights. You're not going to perform well when you're on the spot. You've got to listen to the indicators. Look, look, your emotions are not your problem. Your emotions are your friend. Anger is your friend. Addiction is your friend. It's screaming in your face. Yeah. Fix it, dude. Fix it. I like the way it says, sin is the best news there is. And why is sin the best news there is? Because there's a remedy. 
Thank you. I knew that's what you're gonna say. That's why, okay, that's why I say to you, there's beauty in the truth that nothing anyone ever did to you makes you who you are today. Listen, listen. If you are who you today because of what someone did to you, what are you gonna, how are you gonna fix it? Somebody did this to me. I have no response. I'm an innocent receiver. They made me like this. Now what are you gonna do? Sucks to be you, man. Let me tell you what though. If it is something you did, it is something God will forgive when you confess it and bring it to him and ask for healing. He will take care of it and he will transform your life. You want it to be your fault. You want it to be your fault. You want it to be true that no two wrongs have never made one right. It sucks if that's true. But if it's not, if it's your fault, it can also be your redemption. Sin is the best news you ever got. You know what? Sin is what points us to the Savior. God forbid we're not saying sin more, right? Um, so I did, I did want to say this on this last bit here. Um, you know, in verse 5 in chapter 23 there, Matthew, again, Jesus actually says that you're doing all this for show. You don't need to put on a show if you're okay with what's inside. And, you know, uh, there are several reasons why these topics I'm talking to you about now would be good for any group of leaders. I mean, any group of leaders probably needs to have this teaching brought to them. They need to think through these things. They need to process who they are as a leader. They need to understand how much of their leadership is still tainted by the stuff they're carrying with them, how much the fear of man, the fear of rejection, the fear of failure, and, the, you know, whatever the fears are, whatever the front is you're putting up, whatever spin you've got going on, whatever um, um, way you're trying to scrub your reputation and spin the, the, the truth so it sounds the best, um, how much you're using people to fill up your, your longings. Any group of leaders needs to make sure that their leadership comes from a clean inside. Knowing your identity in Christ isn't going to help you if your interior self is still damaged because you won't believe the truth. You won't be able to believe the truth. So in order for the message of who we are in Christ to take root in our hearts, we have to have fertile ground. Our hearts can't be hard. Our hearts can't be deceived. Our hearts can't be still full of all these longings and needs and um, brokenness and wounding and, and warped ways we see things and think about things because we won't be able to process those truths. They won't be able to get down deep. They'll be easily swept away like the seeds, like the, the, the um, parable about the seeds sown. That truth will be sown in our heart, but it'll just kind of bounce off the hard ground. Or maybe it'll just get a little bit of root, but the first, the first, you know, the first accusation comes along and someone says you're a rotten leader, and boom, that seed of identity is gone. And, and now you're back in the swell of all of your, your fear and all your anxiety and all your worry and maybe all of your anger. We have got to be in a good place as leaders to know when to say no, when to say yes, to not say yes because of ego. Do not say yes because we want that position. We want that promotion. Or we, we want to look good. We want to increase our street cred. We want, we're medicating our doubts about our own identity and usefulness. Those cannot be the things that drive our expansion as a church. That is dangerous. We will say yes when we should say no. And we'll say no when we should say yes. All right. I know that ended a little abruptly. Forgive. Uh, I cut that off so that that next bit 
is uh, will be in the next episode um, where we'll talk about knowing yourself. This one was about finding your voice. We will talk about knowing yourself next episode. Thank you for listening to Two Rivers Spiritual Coaching Podcast. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you heard something that got your attention, whether it be for your own relationship with God or for coaching others, don't waste the divine nudge. Be sure to take the time to think through how to work the truth into your life and practice. If you do spiritual coaching, either formally or informally, remember that it is hard to lead where you have never been yourself. I pray that God can use this training to inform and transform your life before it reaches another. If you are anywhere near upstate New York, specifically the Binghamton area, look Pastor Carrie up. He'd love to have a cup of coffee with you and chat about our dynamic relationship with God or about how to do spiritual coaching in your context. Remember, only healthy hearts can know God deeply and follow Him fully. Again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Spiritual Coaching Podcast. Thank you.